2: and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. On this episode of The Depth Show, we're talking about your spirit and self-care. And we have some wonderful guests. We have Dr. Meg Hayworth, we have Suzanne Gunderson, and we have Robert Manelson. And they all come from different aspects of self-care. And I will let them introduce themselves it is a great episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Dr. Meg, let's
1: start with you. Dr. Meg Hayworth, and I am a transpersonal psychologist and um, a holistic nutritional chef. And so I've had 25 years in the holistic healing industry, and I do, um, in my private practice, I focus on um, helping women abuse survivors with chronic illness, um, release the emotional root cause of illness, um, doing the holistic, working with the holistic system. So I also look at their diet and their mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And, um, and then I also teach evolving intuition, building self-trust for life. And it is a, um, online course that I teach. And, uh, it's a, a lifetime access program with a community and life coaching every week. And it's just, I love it so much. It's so much fun. And then I certify people in my whole person integration technique, which is the technique I use, mind body technique I use to help people heal um, and release um, emotional congestions, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs stuck in the energy field. So that's the nutshell.
2: Robert, why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Well, first and foremost, Thank you, Deborah, for the invitation to uh, uh, to accompany uh, you and these beautiful women who do amazing, amazing healing techniques. And uh, I and I'm, I'm just all about fun at work. So if we can bring a, 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 if we can happy it up, happy it up in the workplace, uh, that's the that is the most cost cost effective strategy to raise a positive mental health levels in today's wacky world of work. So I'm pushing the mental health message behind the value of fun at work and the value of play. So thank you.
2: Great to see you, Robert. Thanks for joining us. And Suzanne, your turn.
3: So I'm Suzanne Gunderson and for 15 years, I've been working in natural stress management only to help, uh, help myself overcome my own stress in my life. And um, I also do work with screenwriters, but what I really do is help people, you know, re- transform their stress naturally and reconnect with their bodies and their lives. And I use techniques that are based on neuroscience and energy methods to, be able to help people, you know, clear the unresolved issues in the tissues uh, in the emotions and the mental mind, and be able to get to a place of more peace and wisdom. And uh, I did translate this work about five or six years ago to working specifically with screenwriters to help them clear their writer's block. And so I really appreciate and enjoy working with writers who may be kind of uh, in that rolling up of the sleeves of their script and going, oh, no, I'm stuck and I don't know what's going on. And it typically has to do with something in their own personal world that's been unresolved that I kind of help them go clean up and get to a place of more familiarity and comfort and acceptance about that way they can effortlessly finish their script or um, wherever they're taking their script. So that's what I do.
2: So basically anybody who has like gunk in their brain (laughs) can go to any one of you to have their issues resolved in a different way. Let's talk about self-care. So you all are part of a facet of self-care, whether it is healing the body, the mind, the spirit, the play, the fun, the whatever. It, it's, it's important. And I know people know it's important because it's important. But what do you think is the, the value behind self-care?
3: You know, I really believe, uh, I mean, self-care is such a big buzzword these days. I feel like it gets overused along with the, you know, self-love. What really we're looking for is safety, safety and connection, connection with ourself. First and foremost, we've been living such disconnected existences because we've been just like trudging through the momentum of life and just bearing down on all of what's coming at us. And so I think, you know, how I would define self-care would be really to, you know, slow down, you know, find what feels good, even in your body first, in your surroundings, and start to connect with that. And and notice, oh, I, I like that shirt I'm wearing, or I like when it's this temperature in the room, or I like my soft pillow. And that is really what self-care is about, is starting to orient ourselves to our surroundings, that way we can become more alive. So I think that, you know, we're really waking up to these very transformative times that we're living in. We have an opportunity to connect with ourselves in in, in ways we never have before. So self-care is more about connecting and attaching first and foremost with yourself. And then when you build some momentum with that and build some good rapport with your own body and your own emotions, and you've got some regulation skills, then certainly offer a lending hand to somebody else through a smile, you know? So so I think self-care is not just doing it for yourself, but then getting good at that and then sharing it with another to, you know, help really strengthen the social connection of the world.
0: Let me just fly in with this message, mental health optimism. So when, when you were sharing that, that's where my head was going, right? Because it's it's all about your relationship with yourself and your relationship with people, things, and events around you and switching you know, in some capacity to something called mental health optimism. So when I heard you talk about self-care, how could I not have felt optimistic? How could I have not embraced the idea of optimism? Because you're, you're suggesting that we have the capacity to move from where we are to something better over here. So thank you for that. That was really cool.
2: Isn't that why we set goals? Because we want something different from our lives? We want to get from here to there and the whole attitude, I mean, you're never going to find anybody more optimistic than me probably <laughs> uh, because we jump in with faith that things can be better because why, why would we go on the journey if we didn't think that things would be different?
0: Well, I, I'm going I'm to ask the good doctor to comment on something I'm going to say. And I've said this to Deborah in the past. And uh, yeah. she kindly, she received it with great uh, uh, kindness.
2: <laughs> um, I'm a little concerned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you use the word goals, right? And, yeah. and one of time I said to you, like, it's the word goal is just a four-letter word that I would never use, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of embraced the word intentions. What do you think, good doctor?
1: Yeah, no, I love the word <laughs> intentions. <laughs> Um, and I use that actually quite a lot with my clients, um, and also in my own life. Um, you know, the word goal, I mean, if we're going to pick the word apart, <laughs> no, no, no I'm just kidding. No, the concept of it and all, I think a lot of people associate it with business and, um, and more structured, you know, we we're creating this, we're putting this out there for this thing. Um, but, um, and you know, I think it, resonance of words are really powerful and what resonates mm. with one person may not resonate with another person. And in the spiritual development world, we often do talk about intention and setting that intention and then visualizing and creating and, and bringing that in. And um so, yeah, so that's, you know, that's kind of what I might add to that. And it, and it does have to do with the resonance in the person too. You know, if it doesn't speak to them, it's not going to feel right. It, they're not going to go into it with, you know, open arms. And that's what I think we want to do as, as people that help transform other people's lives is, is get them feeling like, wow, I really, I really want to rush into this, this self care, which I think really is, it's yeah. getting to know yourself and that most of us are so disconnected from who we really are. And self care is not like, get a massage, get a pedicure. Like that's just, that's like, Baby up here, you know that's pampering, which is nice and wonderful. But connecting with yourself deeply and intentions and goals are one ways to do that. One way to do that because you're bringing out what's inside and and really looking at it.
3: Yeah, I think we need to have those kinds of things because if we don't, the world can just absorb us into its ADD nature. And there's just so much overstimulation that comes at us that we don't have a lack of variety to choose from. So we have to have, you know, you know, we have to focus on something and there in there. And one of the other buzzwords that we were tossing around as to why we wanted to get together with this group of people was because we don't have a real practice about focusing. We just let anything that comes into our awareness be the thing that we put our attention to. Mm-hmm. And we really need to have that kind of structure around goals and intentions to keep ourselves moving in a direction that we want to move in is, or, or time goes, goes by for so fast. I mean, I'm 50 this year and it's like, what happened in the last five years? What? Huh? where to go? Oh, hello. Didn't I just celebrate my 45th birthday and I thought I was still so young. Oh my gosh. I know I'm still young. Yes. But still. Wow.
2: Robert, although I do appreciate your feelings about the G word, Um, that is when I, the D and the Dev method is determine your mission and it all leads to figuring out your mission and your motto. So when you look at the life you want, it isn't the goal. It's the life you want. It's the goals are what you set to reach what I call goals. Hope. Yeah. So I think we agree and disagree simultaneously, which is always fun, but is really whatever words you use. You need to, when you give yourself time as a gift, whether it's for the pampering or the being true to yourself or figuring out what you want to be when you grow up or to play so you can explore different things, we're all just, yes, the answer is yes.
0: And what does that mean, the answer is yes?
2: The answer is whatever whatever self-care means to you, Right. whatever the future means to you, whatever intentional steps you take to get to the life you want. Wait, I'm doing the interviewing. I'm not usually <laughs> talking. Let's talk up a little bit. Does anybody else want to share anything else about the value of self-care or else I'm ready to move on?
0: Well, I'll, I'll throw in one, one more piece. <laughs> of uh, Actually, it's a short story. So here's a real-life short story. So uh, a year ago, um, heading into the months of June, July, and August, uh, I found myself um, um, uh, falling back towards something that had the potential to be another episode of depression and anxiety. And uh, um, mental illness, depression, and anxiety uh, runs four generations deep, in, in my family, on both sides of, of my family, my mother and my father. But I knew I needed to do something for my self-care, my self-care. And having experienced multiple episodes of depression uh, over the past number of years, uh, first and foremost, I sought out the support of a um, psychologist online. And uh, my physiotherapist, Said to me one day, Well, we have a psychologist right here out of our office. Why don't I connect the two of you? So I I share that with you because sometimes, sometimes we talk about self care as being um, something that's physical, it's a physical activity. And uh, self care uh, for the mind, for the mind. uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a term for that, it's called mental fitness mental fitness. It's like physical fitness, but it's mental fitness. So I I put together a plan, a self-care plan uh, last year, June, July, and August, and started to seek out the support of a psychologist. And that was one step towards building my mental fitness plan. So I just wanted to share that with you. We often get caught up in uh, the physical activities, be it going for a walk, uh, be it yoga. Uh, being going for a Reiki uh, session, um, to uh, uh, um, uh, gardening. Sometimes we need to step back and ask ourselves, in order to do that, what do I need to do to take care of myself mentally? And uh, that's probably the first step towards self-care.
2: Thank you for sharing that. The reason I do these, first of all, I love bringing friends from different parts of my life together so they get to meet each other in my community and vice versa. But this is why I have you three people together for this topic. And you're absolutely right. It's healthcare is the body, the soul, and the spirit. Which leads me to my next question. See what I did there? So how do you nourish your spirit? And I'll, I'll even take it one step fur- further. Is let's say you're depleted. So not only have you nourished your spirit, but when you need to whether you call it refilling your cup or your energy or what have you. So how do you nourish your spirit and what you do when you need to like reboot yourself?
1: Meg? Yeah, um, I love being in nature. Um, so being by the ocean, lucky I live in LA, so just go and watch the ocean and be in the sand and all of that. Um, meditation is something that I use, um, uh, books that are, uh, spiritual and, um, uh, just like sometimes I'll just open a book on my shelf. To a page and there's a message there waiting for me, especially if I'm feeling kind of down and depleted. Um, food is a big thing that I use yeah. to help me um, with uh, my mood because there are a lot of foods that are making people really anxious and causing all kinds of, of depression and those kinds of issues. So um, I will, you know, eat like a, make a wonderful green smoothie or something, you know, it just helps me feel so much better. It's a great pick me up. Um <laughs> I have sort of like, you know, I think all of us probably have big lists, but um, I also love to write, you know, as you know, I've written a number of books, but I love to journal and that's really helpful for self-care and then also visualizing what I desire to create in my life, visualizing what I want to bring in and getting my, my, my self in that space of feeling, feeling again, you know, feeling that love and all of that. Of course, I use my technique on myself. That helps a lot. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> well, but but that's what we do right I say I created the dev method using the dev method yeah. we share the things that work for us but in a way it's also it's well it's not in a way we do this to help other people so obviously why wouldn't we test it I am a huge fan of journaling anybody who's ever heard me speak or read my book knows for me, journaling is like the go-to for getting all the gunk out of your body and onto the page so you're not holding onto it. Uh, Suzanne.
3: So <clears throat> interestingly enough, you know, last year we had this whole COVID experience and um, I got a, I got a chance to really slow down and spend some time with my nephew and he was three at the time. And there, I think there's no better uh, experience for me at least there wasn't um than to be kind of crawling around the floor with a three-year-old for a few weeks when there was nothing better else to do and so while i normally would say you know i live. The ocean is, you know, 100 yards that direction from me and has been the last 20 years of my life. I'm very blessed to say I put my, my toes in the sand every day and and I need that water around me. And that's definitely something that that nurtures my soul and has me feeling connected to my higher source. Um, but last year, the, the experience of being with a little three-year-old, really just the innocence of the three-year-old and the playfulness and the exploration and the excitement and everything is just there and other and, uh, than when there's a temper tantrum. Um, but just being with that little innocence uh, was just so special. It just kind of brought my own um, childlike innocence back into, into my, my, my spirit. And uh, I haven't lost touch with that, thankfully, even though we're not there anymore in lockdown. Um, and I have a really special bond with him, which is wonderful, too.
2: I love that, and and it's play. So Robert,
0: I have the wonderful privilege, or Sharon and I uh, have the wonderful privilege, of uh, living um, fairly close to the Rocky Mountains, and uh, so we're, for us, fairly close is a three and a half to four hour drive <laughs> to Banff, Alberta, or Jasper, Alberta. So uh, Sharon and I nourish ourselves uh, through time spent in the Rockies. Uh, we love, love, love Jasper, Jasper, Alberta. Um, it's a little bit closer than Banff. Um, we're avid uh, uh, campers. We're avid day hikers. Uh, COVID has changed everything when it comes to uh, enjoying uh, all that all that the Rocky Mountains are. Um, so there's been a little bit of sort of retreating inwards, you know, towards the home, uh towards our home and figuring out what to do to nourish ourselves here at home. Um spring is here, Sharon's got the garden going. Uh the tulips have blossomed, their flowers are coming up mm-hmm. and uh that's a big part of nourishing the soul, our souls over the summertime is is the uh, is caring for Sharon's gardens? Three quarters of our property, oh, no. uh, front, back, and side, is gardens, and I am sure that Sharon talks to her vegetables and her flowers because everything that she touches with her hands and her soul uh, just grows exponentially. We don't have children, but we have three beautiful cats: Peppy, <laughs> Smooshy, and Bear. Uh, Peppy uh, is a Himalayan. And uh, uh, he's a recent addition to our family in the past couple of years. So uh, the five of us really connect. The three cats, Sharon and I, we spend a great deal of time in the garden. And when we can, uh, hopefully soon, we can get back to uh, camping and hiking in the Rockies. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's uh, that's hugely important to us. In fact, very quickly, (laughs) Sharon and I eloped years ago, and uh, we're married at uh, Moraine Lake, uh, right by Lake Louise in Banff National Park. And uh, we snuck in behind the back door, ran off and got ourselves married. And um, we always wanted to be looking over a glacier lake with seven mountains, seven peaks in front of us. Um, so the Rockies, very much like your ocean, play a huge role in nourishing our souls.
2: When you said, We don't have children, I was sure you were gonna say, but we have all of these plants, which is also true, apparently.
0: Of course it's true, of course it's true.
2: So I wanna redirect back to to Meg, you were talking about food, and some foods are good and some foods are evil.
1: Some of my, my favorite three words together are eat real food. <laughs> I mean, that's like, and, and people don't really necessarily know what that is. But the the closer you can eat out of of Robert's garden. <laughs> It's going to be offering, Robin and Sharon are offering up their plants. Um, <laughs> that The better off we will be, I mean, all of us will be, just by eating real food. It's so amazing. And, and as everybody's talking, I'm also talk, thinking about how nourishing it is to cook together as a family, to go to the farmer's market and bring things home and, and serve a big meal for all of your friends now that we can get together more and... Um, share that. So, you know, fruits and vegetables and organic meats and chicken and those kinds of things. I mean, we can, we can have all, all the stuff. It's just that a lot of the foods that are causing the problem are the ones that, um, here I'll put it this way. When a corporation cooks for you, you need to be careful because a lot of those foods are full of, of, um, stuff, uh, stuff Poisons no. that you're yeah. literally swallowing. There's like up to 10,000 different food chemicals that people mm. are swallowing on the mm. daily. And then they wonder why, you know, they, they your body's like a chemistry lab and you're feeding it all these chemicals that it doesn't know what to do with. And so it's creating all of these issues, including mental health issues. Mm. Um, so, and that's something that people don't really know, but there's certain foods that create anxiety like, um, gluten, um, dairy products especially the way they're farmed but we we've got choices in this country so um, we we can choose real food
2: those certain foods create anxiety but natural foods
1: don't uh no not necessarily so but but and i'm saying that because each person is different and each person has their own chemical makeup And as you start to connect with your body, which as we were talking about self-care is really like connecting inside and really listening to your body and listening to what works for it and what doesn't. Uh, And you can do that with food. That's a wonderful way to learn about what's happening in your body. You know, just like, how does that make me feel? How do I feel afterwards emotionally? How do I feel for the next day or two after I have that, you know, that I go on the sugar binge or, you know, we know so much about food. There's so much research out there. Um, and there's a lot that, you know, we can, we can look up and understand about it. But so, so yes, uh, it, it's, it matters who you are and what your your chemical makeup is and what works for you.
2: The listen to your body thing though. It's for everything. It's not just for food. It's for activity. And yes, we all know that a sugar coma might be nice, well, until the sugar coma comes, we we love that that big bowl of ice cream or whatever. And if you can have it, if it's a treat, if your body doesn't freak out from it, great. If you can have two bites, your body is probably going to be happier than if you binge the sweet stuff and you eat more of what makes you feel good and less of what doesn't. Do more activity that makes you feel good. Do less of what doesn't.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I had ice cream yesterday. It was coconut-based, but I had ice cream, you know, because I really wanted some. But, you know, it's and, and I think that's, you know, it doesn't mean that, like, I'm always eating this way all the time. I think um, what happens is that people who will eat that way all the time, and then they wonder why, oh, now I've got diabetes and, and cancer and heart disease and all of the major illnesses that are, chronic illnesses that are happening, um, and they're not looking at this one thing area, which is huge because it's it's what you're putting in your body to nourish yourself. It's just sort of like logically.
3: I just sort of think of it as a as a car. Like, you know, we take better care of our cars than we do our own bodies. You wouldn't go to the gas station and be like, ah, whatever, just throw it on in there, you know, and then be surprised if they're like clunking down the road. So we always like put the best gas in and get the oil changed and make sure the tires are working. And, like you know, we just... So treat our bodies more like that.
0: I want to thank Meg, the good doctor. <laughs> that was a wonderful term you used. That um, be be aware uh, if your food is being prepared by a, by the corporate world.
1: Yeah, corporations it, are
0: cooking. Corporate. Things. You know what? I I am going to make a note of that. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard it said that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, thank you for that. Thank you You're for welcome. that. Yeah, you bet, you bet. And um, uh, I'll, I'll just you, know, s- you know, mirror what's been said. Um, a couple of months back, um, after um, going for yet another blood test, I noticed that my blood sugar levels, or the test showed that my blood sugar levels were too high. And um, so uh, with the support of a nutritionist at my doctor's office, um, we met uh, over the phone with, with with my wife, and we set up a plan. And in fact, she was very much impressed with um, how much how much I was doing right. But um, the challenge was for me to uh, stop doing the uh, the sugar, the sugar intake, right, the, the donuts, the Starbucks coffee, you know, the candy, those kinds of things, and. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting. It, it's not, it, it, do you feel like it's a well known fact that there's a relationship between what we eat and how we feel mentally? Suzanne?
3: Oh, 100%. Yes. Because in our body, we have a nervous system that is part of how we metabolize life. And if we're not metabolizing life well, then we're not going to have a clear open path to the part of our brain that thinks more rationally and imaginatively and creatively. We're going to be stuck trying to regulate this dysregulated state of inflammation or reaction or something. So,
2: Suzanne, do you have, and I loved your car analogy, and all I could (laughs) think of is the fact that I only filled my car twice. No, I felt like I once last year, maybe twice, right. which is like.
3: That's okay. Ridiculous. You'll make up for it now. Gas prices are going to like $10 a gallon or something crazy. I heard oh, that. good. Oh, so
2: I feel so much better. But, um, but it really was the perfect analogy. Look at the things around you that you take care of. Shouldn't you take care of yourself just
3: as well or better? Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to have this philosophy that like, if it tastes good, spit it out. It needs to taste <coughs> like dirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow spit it out there's got to be some chemical in it or sugar or something just spit it out immediately it can't be good for you
1: that's
2: so yeah, i'm sure your nephew
3: loved that philosophy oh, and that, that's
1: part of the problem is that people really believe that healthy food has to taste like crap you know yeah. well,
3: and- we grew strawberries we grew spinach and he actually loved to eat spinach oh, he would pick so it off and then he would bite it off and like spit the stem out thinking that it was like a stem but i would not really care i had like a three-year-old eating like 10 leaves of spinach on I'm like yes, yes. Awesome.
1: <laughs> Strawberries, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the name cool. of my company when I was a private chef to celebrities here in Hollywood for 14 years. It was delicious and healthy because those two things they get to come together. Meg, how did your life transition
2: from? I mean, you have a great backstory that we didn't really talk about, um, but how did you transition from everything to everything?
1: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, it was all about healing myself. I had over a dozen illnesses by the time I was in my mid 20s, mm-hmm. um, in and out of doctor's offices for almost a whole decade. And mm-hmm. um, it's when I just decided to take my healing into my own hands and get a chiropractor because I was dealing with neck and back issues. I would literally be in bed for like weeks at a time on painkillers, muscle relaxers, antidepressants. I had like, again, over a dozen illnesses. So, um, it was in the quest to heal myself that I started to discover a chiropractor who opened me up to nutrition and cooking and which I already came from a foodie cooking Southern family. So (laughs) cooking was a big part of my life anyway, but, um, uh, it opened me up to yoga and meditation and the mind body medicine. And I just couldn't get enough of all of this because I started to heal so rapidly after changing my diet, um, mm-hmm. removing the foods that were causing all of the problems, um, mm-hmm. that I was just like, Oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to help. I, I have to study this <laughs> all the time. And I've been really honestly obsessed with it ever since it's been like 25 years. I want to lob back to Suzanne because I know she's got
2: some other good, <laughs> I'm going to say food for thought because I love that phrase, <laughs> but about what other people mm. can do to replenish their spirit because it's not just taking care of you like you're a car. What else What else do you help people do? Because you've also transitioned a lot.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just to everyone else's story here, you know, I've got the same, you know, my life was like a bucket of bolts and it was too heavy and I wanted to dump out the bolts and I wanted to be carrying flowers instead. So, you know, I, I started with, um, I think the, the, the mentality of the healing world going back 20, 30 years was very kind of mental focused. It was a lot of just, if we could just reorganize how you think, then you'll feel a lot better and we'll feel a lot better. If you organize how you think, and and we forgot that word feeling was really the big part of the formula. So for me, it was I kind of felt like I was on kind of the leading edge in going into how my body was feeling. So I got into the world of somatics, which is you know body therapies and body movement to be able to help myself feel safe in my own body. So when you talk when you talk about kind of like nourishing my spirit and getting connected with myself. I had to kind of put this mind thing kind of like just put a pin in it so I could learn how to feel safe in my body. And that's kind of what got me into the work that I do now is a lot of the somatic wellness stuff is to help people feel more safe in their body. And then they can by nature just regulate their emotions more easily because their body won't be so overwhelmed that their limbic system, that part of their brain that's an emotional fire alarm won't be going off. And then they'll be able to access more clarity of mind. So for me, it was all about learning to acknowledge that I had a body. Most people are like, what? Where did this thing come from? Mm-hmm. When did this get here? What? What's going on here? You mean my pants just fit tight because I fit tightly? Like, no. <laughs> <clears throat> like you really have a body. Welcome to your body. So I work with people using techniques that help them to kind of awaken their body's expression. And often, often it's through kind of shaking or um, or, or, or just really unfamiliar things that we're not used to that are very natural to the body, but learning how to build rapport with it and then letting it become more accustomed and familiar with it happening for us. And then just, you know, exploring and growing from there. Wow,
2: I, I'm getting this theme. Body feels better. Mind is stronger. Yes.
3: It's always state before story because we perceive through the body We've got a nervous system, a vagus nerve that runs from our gut all the way up to our brain. It's it's like a super highway of messenger and it's just messaging, am I safe or am I not safe? Am I safe or am I not safe? And because the world is overstimulating us, we've got so many messages of threat carrying in our nervous system that we've become hypervigilant to life or hypovigilant to life and living in like a low grade chronic stress all the time. So really helping the body first and foremost to calm down and feel more safe. Is going to give us access to emotions that we can then process and regulate. Whether it's through a coach, a therapist, I love to do energy tapping to kind of help that stuff move through the energy body. And then once you have a regulated body, more regulated emotions. Well, then, then the then the thinking mind can come back online. I mean, how many times have you, you know, um, said to yourself, um, "Oh, I should have taken that left turn," or "I knew I should call that person back," but we, but you didn't, because the mind has overridden it. And how many times have you just said to yourself, like, I will figure this out. I just have to figure it out. And I'm going to just stay in my head to figure it out. But you just, and then you go, I can't figure it out. I'm just going to make a decision about something to decide upon something. And you go, well, that's not going to work for the long term. but I had to do something right now. Mm -hmm. And so we really are just so trained to believe that the mental mechanics of how we exist are the solution to the world. And it's not, it's really, we've left the evolution of our thinking mind has left the body. We need to bring it back onto the body, integrate the two, and build that rapport between the two. That way, we can really start to move forward in kind of health, growth, and restoration.
1: Yeah. So then well, that's yeah. how you get into your intuition, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's a lot of what you're
3: talking about. Yes. Well, so much about the gut guidance system. What is the gut? Gut is the biggest brain of the body. And where is it located? Right by our psoas, which they call the muscle of the soul. It's by our hips. That's where we have the most nerves of our nervous system. So that's where we're perceiving through. And if we're perceiving threat, well, that is going to just lock and squeeze down and make it harder for us to feel our gut impulses. So, you know, when I teach intuition to people, I say, do you know the difference between hell yes and hell no? There you go. Start practicing from there. You know, what does hell yes feel like? Like that is a yes. If it's a maybe, then it's a no. You know, and start to kind of broaden the range of yeses and no's from there.
2: I love this concept. So it's either a hell yes, you go for it, or if it's a no. But what if it's a hell no? What if it's a a weak no? Does that make it a yes? No. Tell
3: me. No. What's a hell yes feel like? It is so crystal clear. You know it. You feel it in your body. You're ready. You're excited. You've got momentum behind it. You've got a knowing about you. There's excitement. There's expectation about it. And if there's not, then it's a, I don't know, no, and I don't know, or a maybe is a no. So it's a hell yes or nothing. Would, a hell yes or a hell no. Yeah. I would add though,
1: that sometimes when you're in that middle place where you're not quite sure yet, that. Uh, I call it the waiting room <laughs> mm-hmm. and that sometimes you're being asked to sit in a waiting room to wait for other things to sort of come in and come together those synchronicities
3: in your life before you can get to the hell yes or that the hell no. Oh, I think it's always yeah. like that. I think we're always yeah. in the waiting room, just waiting for the alignment to have the crystal clarity of hell yes. You know, we're, we're always in that waiting room for sure.
0: Yeah. So.
1: And I think it's when we go, when we go against the hell Yes.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, that we we create
1: all kinds of uh, problems in our lives.
3: So I often, I often tell people who are, or suggest to people who are trying to find their intuition, be able to believe the impulses of their body. I said, Hey, the next time that your body tells you you have to go to the bathroom, just be like, oh, thank you. Start petting your body like it's an, an Thank you. Thank you for the messages. I want more messages like this. And then just go to the bathroom. Yep. Don't, how many times do you does your body say, hey, we've got to go to the bathroom? And you're like, okay, I have to unload the groceries. I have to call three people back. I have to text messages to six people. You go into like a full-on negotiation with your body. And your body's just like, yeah, so I'm just going to wait, <laughs> I, <haven't laughs> I guess. Like I told you something. <laughs> yeah. But if you really want to start believing your intuition, Start believing the messages that are already in front of you. And thanking your body for them and saying, yes, 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 give me more, give me more, give me more. And so when you're driving and you're all of a sudden like, I don't know why I'm, I'm feeling like I need to stop and pull over and get avocados, but I'm going to do it. And then you go there and then your friend is there. You haven't seen it in five years. You're like, I don't even know why I was here. I didn't even need these avocados. And
1: blah, blah. You know? Exactly. Saying yes to the moment, that, that yeah. intuitive sense of knowing what to do next. And I love that you keep talking about the body because I always say it's a grounding rod mm. for intuition. Mm-hmm. Uh, your body is. And the more we get in touch with this, the more you get in touch with that, <laughs> you know? So yeah. Cool conversation.
0: Can I, Yeah, uh, can I ask a question? No,
3: Maybe?
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so tell me, Suzanne, when you meet with a client who's, um, living and living with, um, and uh, managing a mental illness, how do you move them to a place? Tell me, give me an example of moving them to body first, then mind, versus mind, then body.
3: Well, I truly believe that every every pain and disease in, in this universe, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental, comes from a dysregulated nervous system. Because it's always about how our nerves are perceiving um, what's going on within us, outside of us, around us, relationally between us. And so if there is an issue with the mental health, I would always recommend to learn to feel like what feels safe in your body. Oh, it's my thumb. Okay. Okay. Let's look at your thumb. Let's touch your thumb. What temperature is it? What's the texture feel like? And then just, oh, and I like my wrist too. And start so to kind of expand into other parts of the body to help people feel more safe in their body. Because once we can regulate the body, all that other dysregulation can start to unwind its patterns of tension and stress and trauma, even and come into more regulation. Um, You know, I work with a lot of people who have chronic anxiety and OCD, and those are all just symptoms of of the mind just trying to figure out how to think its way out of a a physical overwhelm. So I always just say, if you're overthinking, if you're stuck in a loop, calm the body down.
0: Fascinating. Um, Fascinating. fascinating. Meg, do
3: you
2: you have um two cents
1: or a quarter to add yeah yeah i would even add to that there's this concept called the body mind um so it's not the mind body connection but the body mind because the body the body has a mind of its own so um, it will remember experiences differently than your cognitive mind does and I'll see this all the time in my practice, where somebody will have an, a particular physical issue, say like sciatica. I worked with one woman on that, and then um, she, uh, when we got into the body mind, which is really the unconscious mind and how the body was holding the experience, and she was able to see exactly what the thoughts, the feelings, and the beliefs were. She was able to oh. let them go, oh. and once she let them go, her sciatica cleared up, oh. and it was it's never, she's never had a problem with it since. And I've seen this happen over and over and over again because the the body's a brilliant instrument, you know, and it's storing every single thing that happens with around and to us. Um, and that we have the ability and we have practitioners like Suzanne and myself that will help you go into that part of you to help you, release basically that stuck energy that's stuck in the nervous system. Cause it's, what is the nervous system, but a conductor of energy, you know?
3: Yeah. And our bodies are energy. We are energy, but we also have to appreciate that we are humans and when there is a biology about us and we are living here in this three-dimensional earth with gravity and, and, and it is a real chemi- chemical, you know, chemistry set, our body. So as much as we are energy and we are energy in motion, emotion, Yes, those emotions get trapped into our physical body. So therein lies the game of life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, exactly.
1: Yeah, and how powerful our thoughts <clears throat> are in keeping us in a particular state, and how mm-hmm. those thoughts can also release us
3: from. That oh, state. absolutely. It's just like. that's why I love tapping, um, especially with, with writers or anybody, you know, I have a a quick story I've had was tapping with a woman who I was, had worked with three years. She had just recovered from breast cancer and uh, she called me about two, three years later and I was like, Hey, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm going to die. And I'm like, why? She said, well, I saw, I see all these hospice signs everywhere I go and it just must be a sign that it's coming back. And you know, you can begin to manifest things in your body based on, am I feeling that? What's going on there? And so we started to tap to be able to help her kind of loosen the grip on the meaning that she's given that thing called hospice, which is a dirty word for her, a deadly word to her, right? And in her tapping on it, she actually transposed the, transposed the word to say spicy hoe. Instead of hospice, she said, spicy ho, and she could not stop laughing. She's like, I will never look at that word ever, ever the same way again. And there and she broke her trance that she had in the death warrant of what hospice had meant to her. And so now she just laughs. And, and then all of a sudden, she couldn't feel anything and all, all lumps went away, everything. It was not even that they were really real. It was just all in her mind. So yeah, that's why I love that technique.
2: Before we wrap, we need to give our audience some good self-care goals. So, so Robert, do you have a good, playful goal for the people?
0: Uh, Continue to hang out with Deb. (laughs) That's that's the goal I'm going to give you. Stay in Deb's world. Hang out in her world. Hang out in Deb's tribe. Because that in itself, that in itself, will uh, open up uh, new ideas, new resources, new ways of thinking. So uh, you don't have to change a lot. You don't have to change a lot. You just have to continue doing what you're doing, and that's hanging out with Deb and staying part of her world because she's, uh, she's pretty awesome. So there's my Deb plug.
1: I've never been a goal before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the name of your next book. I've never been a goal before.
2: <laughs> that, that's very kind. And I thank you for saying so. Because it is my goal is to help people live a happier, more fulfilled life. So uh, thank you. And I'm going to say connect with Robert so you can see whenever he does his next play workshop. Because they're oodles of fun. Uh, what about you, Suzanne?
3: Uh, my goal is going to suggest that everyone smile at each other. Yeah. Smiling is really going to help us. You know, now that we're more people are taking masks off and just people that you don't even know, it really can help another person's nervous system feel more safe in just a smile. So go out in there and smile. Smile at yourself in the mirror, but smile at others. Meg, your
1: turn. Yeah, I would say let's do something like... Um, uh, just being really loving to yourself. You know, we're, we're going through, like you said, we're going through another transition right now. So even just talking to yourself and just saying, you know, I just love you or calling yourself sweetheart, or, (laughs) you know, it's okay to do that sweetheart. It's okay to, you know, you're awesome and I love you and you're amazing. And just keep reminding yourself of your worth and your value and who you really are. Something that kind of brings you inside of yourself. Um, yeah, just be nice to you. I love this
2: concept of giving yourself a pet name when you're loving to yourself and you're calling yourself good things. I think it gives it more power.
1: Mm, mm, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, because a lot of people are telling themselves too uh, yeah. things about their like, Oh, my belly's too fat or I'm too mm-hmm. this or I'm too that, you know, and they're, they're literally creating dissonance in their own bodies by just being unkind to themselves by picking themselves apart, but if you just say, Oh, thank you, belly. I love you, belly. You're so amazing. Thank you for doing all you do for me. You know, it actually literally helps you with weight loss. <laughs> I've seen it happen with clients. Cause you're shifting the energy. You're no longer like this,
2: you're open. And when you're open and things can move around, you can heal.
3: I think we would solve all world's problems by relieving tension, relieve tension. That is the solution to every problem. <laughs> That love that you're looking that you're talking about, that's yeah. that tension between you and the resistance of just embracing yourself self-acceptance. and self-acceptance.
2: And that's a that's a huge reason of why I do what I do is I believe people deserve to be happy in some, if not all of their life. And if what you're doing for your career, your your, even if it's your, your passion project, it's something you should love. You should be doing things that you love because when you love what you do, it will leak all over everything else. Hmm. So be good to yourself. Give yourself the gift of figuring out what you need to do. If what you're doing is not working for you and just be kind and follow Deb. Robert, where can people find you? And what is your final tip?
0: Uh, www.powerfulplay.ca. And uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Deborah for the invitation. Uh, I learned uh, so so much from the good doctor and uh, Suzanne. You blew my mind. That's all I have to say. You blew my mind. Uh, and uh, you uh, uh talked, uh, you shared stuff today that I've never heard before, and it was pretty cool. Because it was uh, uh, a flip from what I'm traditionally used to thinking. So I appreciated appreciated you today. So thank you.
3: Thank you.
2: Suzanne, where can people find you? And what is your final thought?
3: So if you're a screenwriter uh, and you have any writer's block, you can find me at screenrightnow.com. Uh, If you are anybody, including a screenwriter, and you have any stress or struggle, uh, whether it's physically, emotionally, or mentally, um, you can reach me at transformedconnections.com. And my final tip is that you too can transform because you probably heard this a million times when people say like, if I did it, you can do it. So true. You know, be willing and persistent to be more, uh, live life with more genuine aliveness and you too can transform.
2: It's a decision. It is a conscious decision to transform.
3: It's a Deb goal. goal. (laughs) Yeah. It's a Deb deb goal.
2: Yes. Dr. Meg, where can people find you and what is your final thought?
1: Yeah, you can find me at meghayworth.com and I'm on all, uh, social media channels at Dr. Meg Hayworth and my YouTube channel also have some very helpful videos and a YouTube TV series called intuitive turning points, um, stories of successful entrepreneurs. And my tip really is to take your healing into your own hands and follow that inner voice to help lead you to what will work best for you so that you can get well. Beautiful. And whatever way you wellness looks for you.
2: Wow. This has been a wonderful, amazing, healing conversation. I just feel good hanging out with the three of you. So thank you again, Robert, Suzanne, Dr. Meg, for making this such a wonderful and powerful conversation. I think the lesson from today is just love yourself, be good to yourself. It's a gift and enjoy it. Thanks for listening to The Dev Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out TheDevMethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it.